1: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter with VIP, the director of recruiting, and your all around hiring guru. You know, I was at a meeting this morning and was talking with like minded people at a relationship building organization. You've heard me talk about them, Success North Dallas. And I've realized in some small conversations afterwards how truly I'm not going to say lucky, but in a way, lucky I am that I get to do what I do. And that is my goal for each and every one of you out there is to help you find your zone of genius, your passion, so you never work another day in your life. So in order to help you do that, I've brought on another fantastic expert to share some wisdom with you today. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome John Neural career transition coach and author of Your Mid-Career GPS, and Show Up! Six Strategies to Lead a More Energetic and Impactful Career. He helps people who are fearful of being stuck and teaches how to prepare, position, and promote. John's career started as a middle school teacher and eventually led to working at the office of the State Superintendent of Education in Washington, D.C., and for an education nonprofit. John enjoys helping people focus and take steps towards the goals important to them. To him, it's about a connection and helping people work toward the career and life they dream. So thanks for joining us today,
0: John. Casey, it's my pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so very much.
1: I, I love your books because you know we've had conversations in the past, both on other podcasts, your podcast, and just just one-on-ones. And you know, your the, just the title of your book, Your Mid-Career GPS, speaks volumes to me. So before we dig into all of that, tell us about yourself and your career so far and what how did you get to where you wrote this book?
0: Well, I was a kid growing up, Casey, I wanted to be a meteorologist. I wanted to be the person who sat on TV and gave you the weather and got it right about half of the time and had this wonderful TV career and life didn't really turn out that way, but that's okay because I, I loved my career in education And when I realized that I wanted to get out of teaching in the classroom, my mid-career pivot, if you will, was actually going to work with teachers and adult learners and helping them be better instructional specialists. And so that's what really brought me to the District of Columbia, where I managed 21 instructional coaches across 13 middle schools. And that coaching background and experience was something which has really stayed with me ever since. It's being in that supportive, helper, nurturing kind of role. And what I get to do now with the people I work with every day is really help them find the job they love or love the job mm-hmm. they have. One of the reasons why you and I connected, too, is the fact that we realized that when you're truly happy in your work, you don't really work. You yes. really fulfill that passion and that mission and everything. So. You know, to coin the phrase, all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. So I will tell you that I am actively submitting an application to be on Pressure Luck because I'm a huge game show enthusiast. And I'm also a professional bowler and I still actively compete on the PBA regional tour.
1: You you told me a story about that number one, I love that show, Pressure Luck. Oh,
0: isn't it great? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth does such a great job hosting. But that. I
1: don't yeah. I watch the old school.
0: Oh, Peter Tamarkin, yeah.
1: So, yeah, and then, but also, you shared a bowling story with me. Who did you bowl with that we both knew?
0: Um, So I think the story was, um, I did a pilot for TV Land called Make My Day. It was a hidden camera reality show. And I did a scene where uh, me and one of my nearest and dearest friends, Ken, uh, were hustled by Soprano star Vinny Pastore. Um, and there was the subject of the show, and we had to intentionally throw this match so the subject could win $500. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was crazy. In fact, in the production of it all, they were like, if we ask you to get six, can you get six? I'm like, look, I can miss the head pin. I can't promise anything else after that. So we we got to bowl intentionally not great on TV and uh, it it was it was fun. Every now and then, that episode still kind of pops up, which is really cool.
1: That is that is so interesting. I mean, how do you get on a pilot for a TV show? Bowling.
0: <laughs> well. Uh, it really helps when you're on a game show the year before that is done by the same production company. So Ken uh, and I, along with another friend of ours, Bobby, we were on the game show Chain Reaction on the Game Show Network. It was like 2006, 2007. And Embassy Row was the production company, which is headed by Michael Davies, who is now the executive producer for Jeopardy! And so they were doing this show and they had this subject and they knew that the guy was a bowler. And so they went through their database and they remembered us as being professional bowlers. And out of the blue one day, we got a call saying, would you be willing to do this pilot? And so we did.
1: (laughs) So what I'm hearing here is that you are always looking for those opportunities and creating moments where future opportunities can come to you.
0: Absolutely. We keep putting ourselves out there. It's, it's one of the ways that we show up and we welcome those new opportunities so that when something comes, we're, we're ready for it whenever that happens.
1: you know, and, and tell me if you agree with me on this. Um, a lot of times, and Richard, Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson has a really good quote, and, I'm, and I can't remember what it is word for word, but basically what it comes down to is say yes to everything and learn how to do it later. If you don't know how to do what it is they're asking, but it's a passion of yours, say yes, and then go figure it out.
0: I love that quote. And there's such power in being able to get out of your own way and say yes on things. Uh, Casey, I'm not going to jump out of an airplane. That's just something I thought I was going to do years ago, and there's no way I'm saying yes to that right now. It's also not a passion of mine, and that's the thing. When there's something that we're passionate about, we do get to say yes to that because we never know what comes next in that opportunity.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's a really important point to make because that's not just in you know life in general. I mean, it also applies to your career. You know, there have been times where I've been taken so far out of my comfort zone, but had I not said yes, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I can give you a prime, two prime examples, but the most recent one was switching from one recruiting company to my current recruiting company which is VIP very very different went from a very very large with inter- international presence company to a boutique with one office and that was a big jump for me but i knew that that was there was going to be more opportunity because it was a smaller company less red tape and that i would be able to make a bigger difference in that smaller company. And so I said, yes, even though it scared me to death. Sure,
0: there, there's such advantages in that because when you, when you think about taking that next career step and you think about how does that move you forward, it's not just in the current job you're going to, it, it's what you get to benefit from moving into that role. So just because, it, like in your case, which is such a great story, that moving to VIP has opened up so many opportunities for you because you continually think about how you get to move your career forward, both with what you're doing here and also with Success North Dallas.
1: Absolutely. So what are some signs you may be too comfortable in your career?
0: that little voice starts talking to you in your head and it's just kind of creeps up and there's something where you start feeling like you're getting complacent or you're getting stale. You're not enjoying the work as much as what you're doing. I don't think it's one of those slap you upside by the head kind of moments. It's really more of something that that festers over time. And then finally one day you sit there and go, geez, am I really happy with what I'm doing? And when we start to evaluate how happy we are in our work, I usually define it by four F's. Now, as a school teacher teacher, me, we don't like F's, right? But, <laughs> but in the career space, the four F's are fit, function, finance, and forward. Hmm. So what is it about the fit, be it organizationally, be it with their mission, their vision, something there that you're not necessarily aligning to anymore? Is it the function, the actual work you are doing? The finance, how well you're being compensated. And then what we just talked about too, about how is that job moving you forward? If you're unhappy, you're probably not moving forward. And that's a really good thing to lean into.
1: I I love that, number one. I think that is so great. And I think that exactly if you are, and I like to call it sleepwalking, you're on such autopilot that you just show up and you're like, oh, time to go home again oh, time to get up and go to work again. That there's no joy there. There's no excitement for the next day. I think that's when it's time to really sit back and see if it's you, number one, you know, not, and, and you said something earlier, you said, find the job you love love the jo- or love the job you have. And I think a lot of times people haven't dealt with those, in, the inner work, the inner landscape mm-hmm. And so they keep jumping from job to job to job. But the only thing that changes is the job, right? It's not that person's not changing. The same problems are following them from job to job to job. So until you really get, you know, okay with yourself, I don't think that you're going to find that just getting a new job is going to fix the problem.
0: You're so right. And, and additionally, as you talked about doing that inner work, and, and one of the things, and I see this a lot on LinkedIn, but even in terms of conversations I have when I'm either talking to prospective clients or even working with clients, really listen to what you're saying. So I'll hear things like, I just want to be valued. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> right? I, I, I want to make a bigger impact. Yeah, with what? Especially right now at the beginning of the year where a lot of companies are going through their performance appraisal Mm -hmm. process, when I coach my clients on getting ready for their performance appraisal, what I want to know from them is what was it they did that matters to the company? How can you attach a metric, a data point, something of significance that says, as a result of my work… This is what we got. We need to start having better conversations with ourselves and with other people around the value we bring every day, that we have a way to make it tangible and relatable and important. Because if we're not, then that's another thing that leads to the workplace uh, dissatisfaction or unhappiness. And it's also where your leadership probably is not going to go to bat for you. Oh,
1: that's a really good point because, yeah, I, I think in having that leadership that does go to bat for you can make all the difference in the world. So and we, we talked about the sleepwalking right now, but I want to look at the other side of the spectrum. Let's, let's say that we are showing up. How, how do you define showing up?
0: I define showing up based on six key strategies, and those six strategies are setting ground rules, having intentional conversations, owning where you are, welcoming new opportunities, using your genius, and protecting and promoting your brand. And the reason I came up with these six strategies in this particular way was that I took a look at how showing up looked for me both personally and professionally. But as I was navigating through my career and also starting my coaching practice, people would come and they would say, John, I just need to show up differently. And I'd be like, what does that look like? We need to get clarity around what showing up means because you may show up a little differently than I do. And that's fine. That's what makes us unique. That's part of our genius in the scope of things. But we need to be really clear about the tangibles around how we show up because that's going to impact the way we lead, how we build our businesses, how we interact with clients, we make connections, and there truly is power in how we show up.
1: I could not agree more. So just real quick, can you go through those six items again real quick?
0: Yeah. So the first one is setting ground rules. The second is having intentional conversations. The third one is owning where you are. The fourth is welcoming new opportunities. Mm -hmm. We talked about that a little earlier. Number five is using your genius. And six is protecting and promoting your brand.
1: I love all of those, but I want to dig into laying the ground rules because I think Mm -hmm. there's a reason you put that first. Yep. And So talk to me about what maybe a ground rule might look like for you
0: when when we set ground rules we know how to play and when we know how to play we can play without reservation or we'll feel like we're walking on eggshells so one of the things that i did as my career was progressing especially when i was leading teams is i would set ground rules with everybody on my team around things like what was the best way or the most comfortable way for them to communicate Did they want me to email them or did they want me to pick up the phone, right? Did they want me to use Slack, you know, if Slack was around back then, right? Or did they want me to direct message them? It's these kinds of things that help us understand how we play the game when it comes to work. Another Mm -hmm. example was, and this was one was really important for me in one of the organizations where I worked, I was reporting to a vice president of a company and the company culture was such that if nobody said anything to you, you were fine. If you screwed up, they'd let you know immediately. And it was the kind of environment where I don't need to be, I don't need to have my hand held, but every now and then I kinda wanna know I'm doing a good job. And so I asked my VP one day as we were setting some ground rules and I said to her, what is the one thing that I could do that would absolutely piss you off (laughs) because I'm not expecting that right I want to know right yeah and she said she said to me never send me to a meeting with the executive team that I find out that you've withheld information from me because if I find out you withheld information from me we're going to have a problem wow I said okay now I know how to play with her now she's she set the boundary or the ground rule for me that I know how to play with her And she didn't say anything after that. And so I said, well, can I tell you what I need? And she went, yeah, go ahead. And I said, look, I know if I'm doing a good job, I'm not going to hear anything. Every now and then, I just could use a little check-in to let me know I'm on the right track. Are you okay with that? And that was the key question in setting ground rules, and I offer this to everybody listening or watching today, that that you want to get validation that they're willing to agree to the ground rule. And if they're not, you can talk about what that agreement looks like. But when I asked her and said, are you okay with that, she looked at me and she was like, yeah, I can do that. Okay, now we know how to play. And so once we know how to play, we get to play as full out as possible. And that's one of the things why I love about setting ground rules, because once you know the ground rules, we don't, we just, we just get to play.
1: I I love so much how you frame that. It's play, you you have not once called it work. No. It's play. And Mm -hmm. it truly is, if you do the things you're saying and set those ground rules ahead of time, is it gonna be peaches and cream all the time? No, but it's gonna be a lot rosier having these ground rules than it would. And I can give you a perfect example at a company that I worked with um, that we had an employee, employee there. She was a top biller and she would come in, she'd grind. And then one day she showed up and she'd been there for like six years. One day she showed up and she said, I took another job and blew the company away. They're like, why? We thought you were happy. And she goes, How did you, why did you think I was happy? I never told you I was happy. I wanted a promotion. I didn't want to just sit here and be this salesperson. I wanted to be a director, lead a team. And how did you not know this? And they're like, we honestly did not know this. You never told us this. And she's like, well, it's a natural progression. You should have known. No, we thought you were happy grinding because that's what you came in and did every day. you know. And so after that, the company had a real change of heart and called all their people in and asked, asked them, they're like, What is it you want to do? We want to know what your dreams, your aspirations are. We can't help you if we don't know. You know, and they accepted ownership for not asking the question sooner. And they said, and even if that dream takes you somewhere else, we will help you get there because we want you to be happy and successful. And I was like, wow, that is a great company.
0: Yeah. There's such power in asking questions that – we, we get out of our own way sometimes. We think, well, it's obvious. I know what the answer is. But until we ask, we don't really know. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, re- I remember working for DC Public Schools and I had a team of 21 instructional coaches across 13 middle schools. And I set the ground rules for them for what they could expect when I went into their building in the first month. I said, I want you to show me your school. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna ask a lot of questions, but I'm not gonna talk a whole lot. I'm going to listen. I'm going to take notes. And then what's going to happen is you and I are going to sit down and we're going to put a plan together. What I found out at the end of that year, so many of them came back to me and said, John, we heard that over and over and over again. You were the only one who showed us how to do it. You were the only one that executed on everything that you promised. Wow. Because when we set the ground rules, we know how to play.
1: You know, and that just reminded me of one of our ground rules for Success North Dallas, one of our tenants to become a member. And our very first one, well, second one is honor your commitments. First one is to be a success yeah. in your own eyes. And I think I that's that. so important too. And I kind of wanted to go back to like, you know, what you just said about some we think we know what the answer is. You know, and our brain fills in gaps of information and, and we truly believe we know what's going on. But you gotta remember just because we think we know what's going on, just like you just said, doesn't make that information that we filled in, in the gaps, true. So you still need to ask that question.
0: Yeah, and, and as leaders, we have to ask the questions that other people are either not expecting to be asked, or that even sometimes we're afraid to ask, but we know we have to ask those questions. In, in another job, I, had, I was given a responsibility to take over a, a fairly large team, about 28 people. And part of my introductory questions with everybody was, tell me three things you love about your job. And then I said to them, tell me the one thing that frustrates you so much about working here. And I captured notes and everything. And as the conversations progressed and all, I made a list and I sealed it in an envelope and I put it in my briefcase. And one day I went to my director and I said to her, how do I hire? She said, John, we've got a full team. We don't have to hire. And I said, no, well, in the next six months, we're going to lose 10 people and I need to know how to backfill positions. She goes, how do you know we're losing 10 people? I said, oh, I asked them. They're all they're actively looking. They've crossed over. They don't plan on coming back. And if we don't backfill the talent right now, we are going to be in trouble heading into some meetings and projects come the summer and the fall. Six months after I had sealed that envelope, I opened it up. Nine of the 10 people had left, and the only reason why the 10th hadn't was they just hadn't found the right job yet.
1: Did you show your manager that envelope
0: um we had conversations around it yeah i I will admit at some point like the phrase trail of tears had come up and it was more our own because we had lost such great people but it was just you know it was a great organization in many ways but you know sometimes like many organizations there was a lot of churn and burn and that's what was happening and we had to put a stop to it and that was one of the first initial goals i had as part of that team
1: Mm i want to kind of go back to the showing up piece for just a second yeah. because I, I really think this is important because you hear about all this quiet quitting and what's the new term they have there there's uh, a, the great
0: do you think about the great resignation nope, and there's one that? after no. that
1: it's the great resignation quiet quitting and then there's another one and i can't remember what the third one is that's trending right now i can't either but i mean basically it's people just i i think it's just people not being happy right now right i think that's really what it boils down to we've gone through a lot over the last couple of years so how important is showing up, especially for yourself, when t- during times when you might feel the most lost?
0: It's such a great question because it's going to happen to everybody. At some point in time, I call it a mid-career moment, but it can certainly happen in other places where you just find yourself going into work and you're absolutely lost, right? Part of showing up in that O is about owning where you are and it really is about sitting with it. Mm. And it's okay to say, I don't like my job right now. I don't like my boss. I don't like how I'm being paid. Owning where you are is simply acknowledging the emotions or the feelings that are going on inside. Thoughts create feelings, feelings create actions, actions create results. You can change the thought. You can be grateful for the job you have because it allows you to pay your bills and everything else that you do with your money, and you can still not like your job. You can change the thought and say, hey, I'm grateful for my job, and I'm open to whatever next is coming, whether it be applying on a job board or through my network, or I just happen to see a job one day, and on a whim, I start inquiring about it. We have to acknowledge exactly what we're feeling because without the ownership piece and truly owning where we are, we can't welcome the new opportunities that come from that. Mm. Ownership is so key.
1: You know, one of the things, I, I can't remember if I shared this with you or not, you know, I'm, a, I'm an avid journaler and I journal every morning as part of my morning routine. And one of the first things I do, well, first, gratitude. It's hard to have a bad day if you start your day with gratitude. So true. And. The second thing I do is I write down, how do I feel? And I'm very careful and intentional with what I write down because I know it's going to set the tone for the day. But having said that, if I am truly sad or mad or just not feeling right, I will write that down. And then kind of like you said, owning it, I will work if I choose to that day to shift that energy in a different direction, but you got to know where you're starting from. So I, I agree with everything you just said that it's so important. Why do you think it is so common for mid-career professionals to stick with a job for so long, me being one of them, um, even when they aren't happy? Safety. Mm.
0: It's we, we know, you know, we can pick our own poison we know what we have, we're unsure of what's on the other side. Part of where I see a lot of mid-career professionals stay, and admittedly it was me too, was that we get overwhelmed. Mm. For a lot of mid-career professionals who are raising families while at the same time taking care of aging parents, throwing a job search in the mix or finding a new job is something that just gets added to the plate and the brain takes them to a place where it's going to take so much time and i haven't updated my resume and i haven't been networking and oh my gosh the last time i interviewed for a job was nine years ago and how am i going to do that and that's when the overwhelm just starts to creep in again own where you are And part about building that GPS to whatever is next, be it finding the job you love or loving the job you have, is about systematically putting things in place that one step at a time ultimately starts eliminating not all of the overwhelm, because we're human, but a good chunk of the overwhelm, um, that you start seeing results. It could be something as simple as schedule an informational interview with somebody. Schedule a, a, a virtual coffee with someone whom you haven't had chance to connect with in a while and just connect. We know that through the power of networking. Absolutely. And being able to do that can just work wonders about starting to figure out how you create an exit strategy and build that runway out of there.
1: Well, and I want to I want to go back to something that you said about the networking. You know, I haven't networked in nine years no one should ever say, <laughs> you know, you should always be building your network. And especially the, the least, the less you need a network, that's when you should be building it. Cause that's when you're going to be in give mode and you're going to be actually building those true relationships instead of, you know, only using the networking when you need something. And then you're just a taker.
0: That is so well said. I could not agree with you more on that, right? Because we get we get comfortable and complacent in jobs. We get caught up in the day-to-day and the work and everything that we're doing. And part of that needs to be, we still need to be intentionally networking. Inside Absolutely. and outside of your organization.
1: I, I think if I had to pick one subject to preach on, couldn't talk about anything else, it would be the power of networking. I am living proof of it, you're living proof of it, and it is so, so important that you network. So, John, we are almost out of time, okay. and I've got to save a few minutes for our VIP questions. Are you ready?
0: Sure, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay.
1: okay. I'm, I'm going to be super curious to see how you answer these. <laughs> <laughs> so, it I'm going to be, especially this first one. Um, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you?
0: All right. I would take people. So the first person I'm taking with me is an astronaut because I'm not equipped. (laughs) That's it. That's right. The second person I'm taking is my husband because he's absolutely my ride or die and I know we can get along. So that's fine. And the third person I would take is Oprah, not in a kidnapping kind of way, but I would take Oprah because Oprah knows a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she can m- MacGyver her way
0: out of that, right? And, and I, f- I find her to be a very calming presence. And I, I, she's one of those people, if you say, could you sit down and eat dinner with anybody, she would absolutely be one of those people. So uh, so yeah, be an astronaut, my husband, and Oprah.
1: Okay. Very eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So what's one thing you do each morning? I shared what my thing was, but what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success?
0: Well, I'll tell you, after we have had some conversations and I recently started working with a new coach, I incorporated journaling into <gasps> my daily practice. Yay! So, so yeah. So every morning, just like, you know, I take time. What's my win? What am I grateful for? I write down some affirmations and I so resonated when you talked about just how am I feeling today. I have found it to be one of those things that really ground and center me. Um, The other thing that I do though, is I plan my day the night before. So before I shut my computer down, I look at what my day is. And that really starts setting me up for gratitude about all of the, the people and the connections I get to make the next day.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. I have found, and everybody's different, that I do a preview at the beginning of the week for my week but I can't look at work the night before, especially not like right before I go to bed or I won't sleep because I'll just be chewing on it. So, but that's me. It doesn't work for everybody, right? Some people, it gives them peace of mind. Me, it stresses me out. So I do it in the morning, but but I already know what's coming up each day, right? Because I've already looked at it for the week. Um, Okay, so my final question for you, if your life story was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline
0: be? How we show up matters. Mic drop.
1: Enough said. (laughs) How do people find you?
0: Uh, Thank you so much for that. So people can find me on my website at johnnerrell.com. Certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear that you listen to or watch this podcast and we connect that way. And also, you can find me with my podcast, the Mid-Career GPS Podcast. You can find it wherever you listen. And, uh, and Casey, our conversation on my show will be dropping really soon. Too. I was gonna so
1: going to ask about that. I didn't think I'd that. seen it. So yeah, that's it's awesome. Not,
0: it's not out yet. It'll be coming out next month. And uh, it's it, I really appreciate our time together and and, and uh, having a chance to flip the mic today. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. That's what this podcast world is about, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. I've loved this conversation. I hope that we have many, many more, but for now, I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP.
0: I am honored. Thank you so very, very much. And thank you to you and your team for all your help. I really appreciate it.
1: And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the
0: We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.